Epicenter Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Wow, what a powerful worship. Powerful worship. As I was um, awoken on Monday night around 12.30 by God, he began to speak to me about defending your territory. All of us were born into a war, whether we know it or not. So we're going to fight on behalf of the kingdom, or we're going to be fighting on behalf of another. But every single one of us were born into that war. And when God spoke, it came. And I want you to grasp this, because he gave the same thing to you. As children, when he spoke, he created the world around him. When he spoke, are you grasping? He created the world around him. When we speak, what are we creating? What are we creating around us? Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for the honor to stand before you and to bring forth your heart. I thank you for your body that you have called the elect. These just aren't people. You call them your elect. Father, I thank you for opening up the eyes of their understanding, opening up the ears of their heart to hear you. Literally seal them from this day forward. Seal them from this day forward. I thank you for convicting the hearts, which literally means to shed light upon Jesus, I so honor you and thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles with me, who has their Bibles? Hard? Sweet. Don't ever leave home without it. Turn to to Mark. I want you to turn to Mark with me. I want you to see this guy. Mark 4. So Jesus was out on the ocean, out on the lake, wherever he was at. He was, he was on a, a body of water. And he's teaching us, literally, what we were called to. We have a territory, and we can give away our territory by the words that we release. So he says in Mark 4, 35, everybody there. He said, on the same day when evening had come... He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. How many knows God doesn't sleep? So this means that Jesus was a man in physical form like you and I, because he was asleep on the stern. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. 
So what did he say? He's given you authority as a son and daughter to speak to whatever storm is in front of you. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I thought about this the other day. When the king said, turn up the fire seven times hotter, and the guys, the guards had taken Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down to throw them in the furnace, and it was so hot that it instantly killed them. Who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire? I think Holy Spirit came and went, boop. Because they walked through a fire, didn't even smell like smoke. So when you walk through a storm, does it show on your disposition? Does it show and hear through your words? Or do you walk through a fire knowing that he's right there and you get to praise him in the midst of it because he's coming? But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, who can this be that even the wind obeys him? Then they came to another side of the sea to the country of Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of a tomb, a man with an unclean spirit. This may have been like this for a long time. The people in his, but when God says he makes all things new, he doesn't leave anything out. Nothing. Nothing. What is dwelling among them in the tombs, and no one can bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day was in the mountains in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. The Messiah had come. He already knew him. How did he know him? Because his presence literally came forward. And he cried out with a loud voice. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out into the country. So skip up to 15. Then he came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. His right mind. He makes all things new. He, he's a chain breaker. Literally. Breaks them all. Crushes them. And they were afraid. And those who had told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, then he began to plead with him. He began to plead with Jesus to depart from this region. But Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing, I want you to go back and I want you to tell your city what the Lord has done for you. Do you realize what your testimony to everyone around you is? So let's go back to the very beginning when God said, 
He created the heavens and the earth. He wants to put the why behind your life. He wants to put the why behind your life. You're not here by accident. You're not here because your mother and your father came together. You're here because he predestined you. He said, you're worthy, you're my son, and I want you to know who I am. Sometimes we allow things to matter more, and I'm speaking out of my life because I don't have notes. Because I said, God, what do you want me to say? And he said, speak out of your life. I've walked this three and a half years. And you don't see storms, and I, and I, pastor didn't tell me to say this because I'm not going to, I'm not going to say he did, but sometimes we feel like we have to go to pastor to be ministered to when it's truth that sets you free. Sometimes we don't get into this word to find out who we really are. Sometimes we allow what we do for God to take the place of knowing him. And he said in John 17, this is eternal life that you know me. Because you can't encounter him without becoming like him. He's really influential. So sometimes we give away our territory just like the Israelites. And he said, I'm going to write these things for your admonishment so that you don't follow them. Sometimes we complain and grumble. And when we complain and grumble, we literally give the enemy a runway to land on. Because he believes that we only come to God for what we can get from him, not how we can become more like him. Because he created us in his image, and he wants his glory to flow through us. Literally, I've walked this. I know what persecution is. He said, you're going to be persecuted. Laugh at it. He said, count it a joy. Who cares what others think about you when you know what he says about you? Literally. I, I heard this week, somebody said, but you know, Shar, God gave us our feelings. Not the ones you grew up with. Don't give him credit for that. Those are all self-centered feelings. We were born into Adam, and we need those to be renewed in the Spirit. Literally. He tells you in Colossians, he said, Colossians 3, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above but then he goes therefore and that just means you need to read above to find why it was therefore put to death your members so if you died and your life is hidden so if you died and your life is hidden so if you died and your life is hidden if a dead man is dead how can he feel? How can he have anger? How can he have frustration? How can he have hurt? 
if you're dead. Church, I'm not speaking anything new. This is simple. And I ask God for two things today. Open up the heart so they can hear you. God's not a legalist. Not a legalist at all. He's a loving father that is so perfect towards us. But he's saying, put it off, put it off, put it off. That's not who I created you to be. Put it off. Let me tell you who I created you to be. Everything outside of love is not your created value. How do you put it off? How were you saved? By grace through what? So he said, teach them what it looks like. So the very first time I was persecuted was by the body of Christ. On Facebook, with my full name out there, and I said, glory. But it stung. So I went to my bedroom, because every time the enemy came at me to break me, he made me run to my father, and he made me. So I went in my bedroom and I closed my door, which is where I spent two years of my life behind my closed door. And I said, God, you did not make me to feel this hurt, to feel the sting of the words. You didn't make me to feel envy and pride and anger. And everything that doesn't belong to you, I'm asking you to cut it out of my life. Perfect your love in me. I've never gone to God to seek what I can get from him. I've gone to him to know him and to be known by him. Because you can literally know about God, but never have intimacy. And nothing will ever reproduce itself unless you come together. Do you hear that? Nothing will ever reproduce itself unless you have a relationship, an intimate relationship. So I said, God, you didn't make me. And every time I was persecuted, literally every time I was persecuted, I would run to my father. God, I so thank you. I thank you for your grace. So what I'm teaching you is when you release those words, grace comes, and it's his etching tool to literally mold and make you and shape you in the potter's hand. But he said to put off these things, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication and uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He said, but you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you've put off the old man. You need to reckon that old man dead and alive unto him. Literally, alive unto him. But what you believe is literally shown through your life. It's not the great confession. It's the great expression. Everywhere I go, I get to love on people. The kingdom is in seed form, 
always has been. Always has been. But what are you doing with the Jesus that you say you have? When he asked his disciples, who do men say I am? Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? What's he in your life? Who do you say he is? When you go to work, do you have a basket on your head? Or do people know you because they're knowing who you are by your love? Not your reprimand. Never once in the word of God does he say that it's the reprimand of God that draws people, draws men into him. He said it's his goodness. Condemnation, guilt, and shame are not his attributes. And those words shouldn't be spoken to another. I grew up in the church where it's, if you don't say this prayer, you're going to go to hell. But Jesus didn't come to take me to heaven and to keep me from hell. He came to put his spirit back inside of me so I look like my father. I look like my father. So I said to him the other day, I said, God, there's only two things I'm asking. When people hear, I want them to respond one of two ways. Either I want it and I'm all in. I don't want to become it. But if you don't become it, this whole word is about becoming love. Literally, about becoming love because he is love. When does love ever hold offense? When does love ever hold a grudge? It doesn't. It doesn't. Jesus walked to the cross and I can just remember just thinking back can you imagine if Jesus said you know what because we hear it we hear it I don't want you in my life right now you're not good for me can you imagine for 34 years I walked away from the body of Christ I walked away from church I was the biggest hypocrite because I confessed I loved him, but my life lived far from him. And it's the motive of our heart when we speak to one another. But I said, Jesus, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. You paid such a high price for me. I will never sell cheap again. Not today, not tomorrow. Next day is not a good day either. Not when he paid a high price. So it's literally going into your quiet time, spending alone time with him, being intimate with him, and letting him reproduce who he is in you and through you. I don't want to just receive his love. I want to be a complete conduit to flow through all the time, everywhere I go. And he wants to be intimate with you. Intimate with you. He wants to know you. He knows about you. He created you. It's his breath in you, and we sing that all the time. But how 
intimate are you with him? How intimate are you with him? I'm going to close. But before I close, we're going to have healing because Jesus is that good, I promise. He's that, he's that good. There's two types of healings. One that if you got healed, you'd have to go to the doctor to get checked out. Whether it be blood pressure, blood disease. If Jesus doesn't judge us for where we've been, why is where we've been still judging us? There's one here today. That your blood needs to be whole. And he wants to make it whole. I'm not about to embarrass anybody. but he wants wholeness in your body. Literally, he wants wholeness in your body. The other type of healing is if you see it instantly. So this morning while I was in prayer, there's arthritis in the knees. There's two people. God wants to heal it. And if you need healing in your body, I'm asking you to stand because we're going to empower the body. It's not Charlotte. The signs follow the believer. You're a believer. You're God's elect. You carry the same thing I do. My best friend, Holy Spirit. So if you need healing in your body, I'm asking you to stand because Jesus is going to heal. Complete wholeness body, you see who's standing right now. I'm going to give you five seconds for the one standing. Come on, body, we need help. You're the body. We have two people right here, two over here, two up front here. Right here, this precious little one. God's little girl right there. Amazing daughter. So I'm going to give you five seconds for those that need healing. Tell the person, hold on, we need, we need somebody up front here. Yep. You carry the same Holy Spirit, bro. So tell the person that's praying for you what you need healing for. Give you five seconds. For those praying, I want to give you eight seconds to pray for the person standing in front of you. Father, I thank you right now for complete wholeness. Jesus, I ask you to sweep through this house right now. Every part of it I ask you to sweep from the top to the bottom. 
Jesus' name. Jesus, we honor you. Now I want you to check your bodies. What you need to pray for, check your bodies. If all pain is gone, I want you to wave two arms, wave two hands for me. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Okay, check your bodies. Check every part of your body that needed wholeness. If there's a change in your body, I want you to wave your hand. Father, we thank you. If it's, if it's better, somewhat better, pray again. You had arthritis in your knee. Right? What's going on with the knees? Lay your hands on his knees. Father, I thank you right now. In Jesus' name, I command these knees to be whole. Every bit of arthritis, I command you to loose his body right now. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for complete wholeness, every bit of pain, complete mobility right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Check out your knees. Check them out. Father, I thank you. How are they? Better? All the way better? I, I heard you lie, you fry. I read that in Revelation. feeling. Father, I thank you. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Father. Come on, Dick.
Why don't we stand one more time? Yeah, let's give uh, honor where honor is due this morning.